Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff Spirky Abashir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. The Perky Office Podcast is a project of the Intentional Jew Podcast Network, where we actively encourage Jews to think and engage in the search of how to be intentionally Jewish. Check us out on intentionaljew.com. I have uh, very often, I've taken the personality and shown through the personality the things that he says. I didn't want to spend more than one day on this Mishnah and, and therefore decided that there was another approach that I favored for the moment. And, um, but there is a way to understand this Mishnah by understanding the life of Rabbi Akiva and of seeing that each one of these statements really fit in to the life. It was something that Rabbi Akiva was sensitive to because of the experiences that he had in his lifetime. So the Mishnah says, Rabbi Akiva says, Schok v'kalus rosh magilim la'erva. That schok, which is laughter, and kalus rosh, which is lightheadedness, margilin, margilin la'erva. So it brings a person to erva, it brings a person to, um, to lewdness and licentiousness. Masores, siog Torah. The Masores, which is the, um, the Masora, the traditions, keeping tight to the traditional, um, to the traditional explanations of the Torah, that is a siag, it is a fence to protect the Torah. Masros, tithing, is a siag laosher. It is a fence, it protects osher, it protects wealth. Nidarim, vows, are a siag leprishos. It is a fence for precious, which is self-control, and siag lechachma, and a fence for wisdom, is shnika silence. Now, I think that there are two things before you touch the Mishnah that have to jump out at you. If you were to look at the general run of this Mishnah, it's this is offense for that, this is offense for that, this is offense for that. But then in the beginning, Schok and Kalos Rosh, it doesn't say that a fence for Erva is Schok and Kalos Rosh. It just died, it says it in a very different kind of way. That Schok and Kalos Rosh, that too much, too much laughter and levity, too much, too much really um, cynicism is going to be Margul a person to Erva. And it's not in the same style as the rest of the Mishnah. And the last one is also a problem. The last one is also not in the same style. The, each one of them is this, is a siag, offense for that. And then in the last one, it's siag lechachma, offense for wisdom, is shtika. It's backwards. So these are the things that are bothering me in the Mishnah. The first thing that bothers me in the Mishnah is that why is schok the kalos rosh, magilin la erva? You know, it, 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 it's a pretty strong statement that every time you laugh too much, every time you have a little bit of lightheadedness, every time you're a little bit, you know, you're, you're a, little bit, um, a little bit cynical, you're a little bit comic, so then you have to worry that that's, that's going to be, it's going to lead you to erva. The truth is, anything could lead you to erva. It, because we know that there is enopotropus la arias, that there's really no protection a person can put on themselves to protect them from licentiousness and protect them from erva. And therefore, anything really ultimately could lead a person there, more for a man than a woman. But the, the triggers for erva are, are really are great. 
And if that's the case, why Davka are we picking on Schok and Kalos Rosh? We're saying that Schok and Kalos Rosh is something that can lead a person to Erva. We also have to understand what Schok and Kalos Rosh is, which we'll, we'll, which we'll get to in a few minutes. But why are those the things that lead a person to Erva? That's, that's number one. Number two is like I asked, why doesn't it say COVID Rosh Siagla Arias? That keeping a level head, keeping a seriousness in your life, that's a siag, it's a fence for Arias, it's a fence for licentiousness. Why did it write it in this way, Schok and Kalos Rosh, will bring a person to licentiousness? My third problem is a siag, a fence, is usually a getter, it's a fence. How is maestros, how is tithing a fence for wealth? It's not a, a getter. It's actually a promise in the Torah. The Torah says, aser ta'aser, that you have to take off tithes. And in that commandment, the Torah tells us, aser, the rabbis expound, that what does it mean, aser ta'aser? It means aser bishvil shetitasher, that you should take off tithes so that you become rich. In other words, it's a promise. It's a promise that if you tithe, then that's going, to, that, that's going to bring you wealth. So what does that mean? That bringing tithes is a getter, it's a fence to protect your wealth. My fourth problem is, is that it says that nidarim vows are a siag leprecious. They are a fence to protect your self-control, to protect your precious, your, your, your separating from things. Nidarim are a chizuk. They strengthen precious. It's not a fence for precious. So what does it mean that nidarim are a fence for abstention, for precious, for self-control. My fifth problem, why is shtika a siag l'chachma shtika, not shtika siag l'chachma? Why did, we, why did we write it backwards? And my sixth problem is, what's the kesha pnimi? What's the connective tissue of all of this? What keeps all of these together? Why is this one, one unified, unified, whole. So let's talk a little bit about a getter. A getter, a fence, we usually see it as a mechitza, something separates. We walk into a shul, we see a mechitza, and if you, somebody would say to you, what's that? You would say, oh, that's a separation between men and women. We see it as a hafrada. We see it as something that is mefarid, something that separates and divides. But maybe there's another way to see a mechitza. Maybe a mechitza is actually an object that is mikarev, that actually brings things together. Moshe Rabbeinu comes down off the mountain and kikaran orpanov, his face was shining with an incredible countenance. And it was frightening to look at because you were looking at the, at this, at the, the, the light of God. And when Moshe Rabbeinu would sit with people, so then Moshe Rabbeinu would cover it over. And the reason that Moshe Rabbeinu would cover it over, we look at it as, as if Moshe Rabbeinu was hiding that, 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 um, that Karen or Panav, who was hiding that light of his face so that people could actually have a conversation with him, that people could actually sit with him. But it wasn't covering it over. What it was doing was by covering it over, it was allowing people not to be flipped out by the sight of Moshe's countenance and then to be able to have a relationship with Moshe. 
what that kisui really did was that it was a kirva. It set the ability to be able for us to be together. Without that, without that mask that Moshe Rabbeinu put on, then people couldn't have sat with him. The mask then wasn't separating him. The mask was actually bringing them together. The mechitza doesn't separate. What the mechitza does is that it makes it possible for men and women to daven in the same space by putting that mechitza between them, by creating that, that separation in the sense that I'm doing my thing in my place, you're doing your thing in your place. Together now we're able to daven to Hashem because what the mechitza is doing is actually bringing us together, making it possible for us to be able to relate to each other. It's not separating the one out from the other. What an incredible thought. You know, we look, we, we look at people, we're wearing masechot. We're walking in the street with masks and you feel like you're behind, like you're behind a wall. And you look at another person and if you don't recognize their eyes, I had a, a relative of mine, well, granted I hadn't seen in a couple of years, but I saw recently a simcha and they said, give me a big shalom aleichem with, the, of course, you know, with an elbow butt, you know, no, no shaking hands. So, you know, we, we, we knock elbows and I'm looking, oh, aleichem shalom. I'm like, I don't know who it is. So, so I said, I'm, I'm sorry. Do I know you? He pulls down his mask um, as my cousin. But the mask seems to be like a barrier. It's like a wall in front of a person. The mask isn't a wall. The mask is the thing. The getter is the thing that allows us to be able to enjoy being together. The mask now is the thing that facilitates and that allows us to be together. The getter is really a mikari. It really brings us closer to it. Because once we have that getter, once we have that boundary, now we can appreciate it and enjoy it. And the truth is, when we talk about the whole concept of mikvah, the whole concept of separation between husband and wife during the time of Midas, we're really talking about a, a, the separation is really a kirva. On Mount Sinai, when we were told that we shouldn't come to the mountain, we shouldn't come to the mountain so that we could appreciate the mountain, that we can get the maximum out of the mountain. It wasn't a separation for us. It wasn't pulling us away from God. What it was rather doing to us, it was allowing us to be able to appreciate it and to be able to enjoy it. And maybe that's the way we have to look at the Mishnah. What's Schok in Kalos Rosh? Schok in Kalos Rosh, as opposed to Simcha, which was the end of the last Mishnah, of yesterday's Mishnah, Schok in Kalos Rosh is cynicism. What's cynicism? Cynicism is pulling out the sanctity, pulling out the specialness of a given moment, of a given person, of a given, of, of given event, of a given thing that's happening in our lives. By knocking it down, you cut it down to size and you make it that it has no effect on you. Person comes out of a shear. Person says to them, no, how'd you like the shear? Person says, Nah, I've heard better. With that little little cynical comment, the person has cut down the effects that that shear could have had on that other person. With one act of cynicism, we can this we can knock away hundreds of moments of of togacha, of, of of discipline, of of correction, of direction. You know, a lot of times a person will listen to a word of Musa and it will touch their hearts and it will move their souls. But they're afraid of that. 
So they chop it down. They say, ah, that person, I didn't like the way he said it. I didn't like the way he spoke. I didn't like the way he stood. I didn't like what, bah, bah, bah. And as long as I can knock it down, then I can reduce its effect on me and separate myself from it. And that's Sreik and Kalos Roche. You know, there was a comedian, famous comedian, by the name of Don Rickles. So Don Rickles, was, he was a tremendous comedian. But he was a tremendous comedian if you weren't real, if you're not a person of Midos and you don't really pay attention to what he's saying. Stop and think about the kind of comedy that Don Rickles perfected. Cynicism. Cutting people down to size. He was a master at working a audience and of chopping down any member of that audience that got in his way of chopping them down and reducing them to size and the entire audience was brought to tears in their laughter. But that's like the Kalas Rosh. And when you think about most of comedy, most of comedy fits into like the Kalas Rosh. It's emptiness. It's devoid of anything real and anything substantial. Today, it's preachers. You listen to a comedian, and very, very often people are laughing because they're so embarrassed. Because you listen to the words that they talk, the things that they say, the situations that they talk about. It's TMI to the max. Too much information. I don't need to know that about you. But we laugh at it. And the reason that we laugh at it is because it's so empty that we're almost, we're almost amazed at the emptiness. Sreik, the Kalas Reish, is an emptiness. It's a, it's, it's a, it is, it is a, a, a laughter that comes, but that you realize is coming from nothing. What's Simcha? Simcha, that we learned in the last Mishnah, that you have to, that, that you have to, Mikabal kol you have to receive every person, but Simcha, the Torah tells us that why does the Tokacha happen to us? Why does the curse happen to us? In Parshas Dvarim, in, in, in Sefer Dvarim, excuse me, in Parshas Kisavai, the Torah tells us, because you didn't serve the Lord your God with happiness and with a joyous countenance. May rave call because of the incredible abundance that God has given us. That even with the abundance that God has given us, we were miserable. Why is Simcha the reason why the Teichacha happens? All these terrible curses, I could understand you tell me the curses are happening because I don't keep mitzvahs anymore, because I've left the derech, because I have deviated from the truth. But because because I didn't, I didn't serve God with simcha, the tuvlevav, because if I wasn't serving God with simcha, that is just moments before I walk away from them completely. If I don't feel a joy and I don't feel a sense of purpose, I don't feel that what I'm doing is really meaningful, I'm not going to continue it. A person cannot live their lives and not continue doing what they're doing if they don't find meaning from it. Simcha, real simcha, real joy, real happiness is when you see the simcha, you see the purpose, the meaning in the thing you're doing. When you give tzedakah and you really, you help somebody out, you walk away with a sense of simcha. When you're involved in some kind of communal event where you know that you're helping people, you're there setting up, you're there doing something for people, you feel a tremendous sense of simcha. 
Simcha is a sense of satisfaction. It's a sense of doing something for purpose. When your life is empty, when, when you're filled with emptiness, then it brings you further to emptiness. It brings you to erva. Erva, it's not saying that you're going to have an affair. It's not saying that you're going to do something nasty. What it's saying is erva means that the erva, erva's dover. It means an emptiness. It's representative of an emptiness of acts that are empty, that are missing their meaning and missing purpose. And what the mission is telling us is that this is that a person has to live with a getter. A person has to live with this boundary. Rabbi Akiva's first statement is look at what happens when you live without boundaries. Look at what happens when you live without siyagim, when you live without any kind of protection, without any kind of boundary that allows you to be able to enjoy what's in the world, but that everything is good and everything is fair game. You know what it does to you? When all the boundaries are down, when there is nothing sacred in this world, then it brings you to erva. Erva is a destruction of all gedarim. It's a destruction of any kind of boundary and any kind of barrier. And that's why Rabbi Akiva presents the first one as just a general statement. And the statement is, which means life without boundaries. All it does is it brings you to emptiness. Now, says Rabbi Akiva, let me show you how to live with self-control. Let me show you how to live with gedarim, how to live with fences, so you can maximize your joy of life. There are four chalakim. There are four parts to a person. There's a person's seichel, a person's intellect, a person's money, a person's body, and a person's neshama. And Rabbi Akiva addresses every one of them. He turns to a person and their seichel. And he says, you want to enjoy your seichel? You want to get the max out of your seichel? You need to put a getter. You need to put a barrier. And what's your barrier? Stay in the lines. Stay within the tradition. Stay within the traditional way of understanding the Torah. You know, you make a picture. You want the picture to be beautiful. If you're three, take a crayon to a paper and your mother's going to say, that's beautiful. But if you're 15 and you put a crayon to the paper, when you stay in the lines, when you draw within those lines and the boundaries, then you say, wow, you know, you have a little talent. That's amazing. You stay in the lines. Look at how well you stayed in the lines. That's the way to maximize your seichel. Stay in the lines. The traditions, the Messiah, the way that for thousands of years we've been interpreting and understanding Torah, the boundaries in with which we operate, that God gave the Torah on Mount Sinai, that God gave both the written Torah and the oral Torah, and all of that ultimately comes from God standing on Sinai. When you stay in the Mesoras, then you can maximize, you can get the most out of the Seichel. It doesn't box you in. That getter doesn't block off the, the Seichel. What it does is it allows you, by putting a getter around it, by putting things inside the box and things outside the box, it allows your seichel to be maximized. Your money. How do you maximize your enjoyment of your money? Give it away. 
Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai goes out of Yerushalayim after the destruction of the temple. And he sees a riba achas. He sees a certain lady who is eating, picking up the dung of the animals and picking out the barley corns and eating them out of the dung of the animals that passed through their bodies. There was such terrible famine that that's what she found to eat. She looks up at Rabbi Yochanan ben Zaki, who's riding on a horse, and she says to him, Rabbi Parnasani, take care of me. And he looks at her and he says, wait, I know you. You're the daughter of Nakdimon Ben-Gurion. Nakdimon Ben-Gurion was one of the three rich people in Yerushalayim that during the seas of Yerushalayim, they gave over three storehouses that could have supported Yerushalayim for 22 years. And the zealots burnt them down so that they would eventually have to go and to give up and that the Romans would be able to come in and to destroy Jerusalem. And he looked at her and he said, wait, I remember your father, I remember your chasana. I remember I signed on your ksuba and I remember the dowry that I signed. The amount of gold coins was like astronomical. And now you're eating dung? You're eating barley corn out of dung? What happened to you? And she looks at him and she says, Rebbe, don't you know? Melach mamain chaser. That the salt, the preservative of money is giving it away. Why is that the preservative of money? Because when you're able to give your money away, then you know you feel you have enough. When, you're ha- when you have enough, you could share it. One of the reasons it's so hard to give stuck up because we look at it, we say, we won't have enough. If I give it away to somebody else, I don't have enough to give. A person who feels comfortable with what they have is a person who's able to give it away. And if you give it away, if you can give it away for tzedakah, if you can give it away without any strings attached, so then you can enjoy it. You can appreciate what you have. The siag, the fence for your money is miser, is giving it away. Giving it away is going to allow you to be able to appreciate and enjoy that which you have. The goof of a person, a person's body. In order to be able to appreciate what you have, you have to have self-control. You have to have precious. Precious for the body, for the physical things, for the physical world, is the optimal way to live inside of your body, to get the most out of your body, is to be able to control your body and not let your body control you. To enjoy your body, you have to make nidarin, you have to make vows, you have to set up fences And the fences don't block you from enjoying your body. What they do is they cut things off. And those things that they cut off allow you then to leave the things inside those fences and the things inside those fences you're able to use to enjoy and to enhance your life. Your neshama, your soul. It's not that shtika is going to bring you to Chachma or let you enjoy Chachma, which is your neshama, which is your soul. We say that the soul resides in the seichel. If I were to ask every one of you, where does your soul reside? 
most of you would say would point to your heart and say that's the seat of your soul. And our rabbis tell us that it is the seichel, it's the intellect, the brain of a person. That's where your neshama resides. And it's not that shtika is going to bring you to chachma or let you enjoy your chachma. Like Mesoras lets you enjoy Torah or, and, and Maesras lets you enjoy your wealth or Nadarim lets you appreciate your precious, your, your self-control. Shtika doesn't let you appreciate your chachma. Without shtika, you can't have chachma. Without silence and without listening, without absorbing, without letting a teacher talk, without letting a friend talk, without listening to a situation, without having an ability to be able to listen and to bring things inside rather than to output and to talk and to share and to constantly cut people off, then you can't have Chachma. And that's why Rabbi Akiva switched it. He didn't say Shtika is a Syag L'Chachma, as if Shtika would allow you to appreciate your Chachma. No, no. Syag L'Chachma, a way to acquire Chachma, the only way to acquire Chachma is Shtika, is to have silence. And what the mission is telling me is that when you put up fences in your life, you're not cutting things off. What you're doing is allowing yourself to enjoy what's inside the fence. You're allowing yourself to enjoy that situation, that thing, that existence. And I think that it's a beautiful way to remember this Mishnah when you walk out in the street next and you see the Masecha, you see the cover of a person's face. Don't look at it as if you're separated from them. Look at it as well. I have a way that I can enjoy somebody else's company. By putting on a mask, by building a getter, by building that fence, I now have the opportunity to be able to enjoy and to be able to appreciate other people.